Free Me Podcast. Mr. Chad author of Blood on the Razor Wire. He's done 17 years, four months, and he's been home a month, right? Oh, no, I've been home eight months. I came home in uh, June 2020. June 2020, eight months. Okay. And you did 17 years off a 40-year bid. Yeah. So how did you come home early? What I did was I ended up filing a compassionate release motion. Um, and I was released on compassionate release. The judge found there were extraordinary and compelling reasons in my case, and it reduced my sentence from 40 years to 20. So I actually did 17 years, five months, and 21 days. I was a jailhouse lawyer in federal prison. I actually wrote the first motion for compassionate release that ever won. It was the Conrado Cantu case out of Texas. I had filed what was called a Holloway motion in my own case, and my judge said that this was an extraordinary case that deserved an extraordinary remedy. He used those words. Well, those words happened to be in the first step back that Donald Trump passed. So that kind of opened the door for me to file a compassionate release motion. I was eventually represented by former federal judge John Gleason. Um, he was the guy that prosecuted John Gotti when he was a prosecutor, then became a federal judge for 22 years. And he helped me after my stuff was filed. He got involved in the case and I ended up getting out of compassionate release. Mm. Mm. How did that feel, brother? Well, I mean, walking out of prison was, I mean, just to, just to smell the air and, and know that it smelled different, man, than what it smelled like on the other side. As crazy as that might sound, you know, when I walked out of that gate and heard a crack behind me, you know, it felt good, but I was scared. I didn't know what was going to happen. Would they come try to grab me in the parking lot? Was this a mistake? So I went to... Uh, the person that came to pick me up, I rushed to her car, Lisa Jacoby. She had worked at the Federal Defender's Office in my city for over 22 years, was an advocate for me, and she ended up coming to pick me up the second time because I was walking out three weeks earlier, and the government had filed an emergency appeal that morning, and they stopped me. I seen my family in the uh, parking lot. I was walking out. I was literally, I don't know, I'd say probably 50 steps at the most away from walking out of that gate. And they called on a walkie-talkie and said, hey, stop him. There was an appeal file. Stop him immediately. So they stopped me from walking out, went back in, and three weeks later I walked out. So I had that fear that anything could happen. You know, I didn't – I wasn't sure if it was real. Even when the gate closed behind me, I just rushed to the car and told her, let's get out of here, let's get out of here. 
So, man, it felt good. It felt good to finally be free. What you express, right, is, is something that people just can't explain, right? You just can't explain that. It's, it's, like, it's like when we try to explain a picture, right? It's like when we try to explain the Holocaust. It's, it's like when we try to explain something that nobody can really just grasp unless you've been through it. That's some of the issue that I, I've been out four years now, and that's some of the issue that I'm dealing with out here when it comes to relationships is, is trying to get people to understand really what I've went through, what I've felt. And unless you're in that pressure, unless you can feel that, that level of anxiety, that level of stress on you, right? You, you just can't explain that. It's, it's like telling somebody that you've done 17 years, right? To them, it's, it's, it's 17 years and, and, and they pass over it like it's nothing. They're like, oh man, that's a long time. But let's put 17 years into perspective, right? What was the last thing that you bought before you went in? Like, what was, what was the last thing that you, you bought? The last thing that I bought, you know what? I think the, one of the last things that I bought before I went to prison was a Sprint flip phone. Hmm. That's when the flip phones, the flip phones had just come out. So I bought a Sprint flip phone, man. Um, I remember that phone and someone would call you and just the circle would be going on it with their number. And then I walked out to a computer that had a phone in it. You know what I mean? Right. So what year, what year was that? I went to jail February 4th, 2003. 2003. So, so you and I are, are, are somewhat similar. So my, for me, I was the, the LG flip phone. Right. And the thing about it was, is it had the little number on the outside of it. Right. Yeah. This was the big thing. So so you didn't have to flip the phone open to see who was calling. You You could see the number on the outside yeah. and you could actually take a picture as a black and white picture. You could take a picture with it and you could email it to somebody. This was the last phone. I just got this in maybe a month. And then when I went in, you could actually record for like 30 seconds. Yeah. So 2003. Right. And I want my listeners to just stop and think for a second. Right. Just go back to 2003 and just think about everything that you've done in your life since 2003. And this gentleman, myself and other people have been just stuck in one spot, just trying to come home. Right. And and. And I don't know how else to put it into perspective. For me, it's like time stopped. Right. And it's like, we're just watching life go by through a window. Life is moving at the speed of a train and, and, and we're just stuck here, you know, feeling forgotten, feeling left behind. And all of that builds up to all of this anxiety of coming home. And now, like you say, you're getting ready to come home. And again, you're playing through your mind like I have, like anybody else has, what can these people stop me from going home on? Yeah. You, know? you always play that in your mind, you know, and, you know, just, you know, to the point that you were, you were making, I used to tell people all the time, you know, you spent 17 years, five months and 21 days out here in the real world. I spent 17 years, five months, 21 days in prison. You had different experiences every day. I had the same experience every day. And like you said, you know, I believe that I've seen plenty of men in prison grow physically but never grow mentally. 
You know, a lot of guys are stuck. Like I went to prison at 24 and I've seen guys that went to prison at 24 and they've been in there 25, 30 years and they're still 24 years old mentally, man. They never grew up and prison has a way of doing that to people. And I was stuck in that, in that little time frame thing for a while until I said, you know what? I want to change my life. I want to do better with my life because if they do bring parole back, what am I going to tell the parole board that I got caught with a knife, that I got caught with a shank, that I sold dope in prison, that I was getting drunk in prison. I don't want to tell the parole board that I want to bring the parole board, you know, a file that says, Hey, I've changed my character that I regret the irrational, irresponsible choices that I made that led to my imprisonment. So that's when I changed, I changed my life, man, 100% changed my life. And when I began to change my life, I began to grow mentally, not only physically, but mentally. And I started to appreciate my freedom and appreciate and appreciate what life had to offer. And, you know, that's why I went to work in the law library and, you know, I started working on my own case. I worked on plenty of other people's cases. You know, I've got numerous people out of jail. I, I, you've probably seen it. I post it on Facebook all the time. I have, man. And listen to I applaud you, dog, for real. What you're doing and what you've done is very, very rare. I give you mad, mad respect and props for what you've done. Anybody that can come home, and, and this is what I'm trying to do. Anybody that can come home from that. You've been gone 17 years. You have every right to come home and just live your life right? Anybody that can come home and sacrifice their freedom in that sense to turn around and try to help their brothers and sisters is a soldier by all count. So I give you mad props for that, man. I appreciate that, man. Appreciate it. I do it because I know what it's like, man. I knew what it was like to, you know, I couldn't get people to help me because, you know, every time I, I wrote for help, they said, well, you know, you, you had two gun charges. You know, I got five years for the first gun, 25 for the second, and 10 years for the drugs. So it had always been, you know, we can't help you, you know, organizations like FAM, hey, sorry, we can't help you. You know, you got a gun. So I knew what it was like to be, you know, desperate to mm -hmm. want help. And I told dudes when I left prison, I said, man, I'm going out there to do everything I said I would do. You know, and, and you know, I wasn't building houses in prison for 17 years. I was doing legal work. So this is what I do. This is my life. This is this. And I know what it's like to suffer and people need help. And there's plenty of men and women, you know, like I know that deserve that help. So who was going to come out here and do it? I've heard plenty of dudes go home. Hey, Chad, I'm going to write you, man. I'm going to do this for you. And you know what? No one ever does it. So I didn't want to be that guy. I didn't want to be that guy to tell my boys, hey, man, I got you. And I walk out and I leave everybody behind. And all right, I'm living my life now and I forgot about you. You know, I don't, I'll, I'll never forget what, you know, that chicken day is like or what the count's like or what it's like to have a, a guard tell you, you know, to shut the fuck up and get in your room or destroy your cell, you know. I'll never forget that stuff. And, you know, people would think, well, you know, federal correctional officers, because I used to probably think this, you know, these are professional people. They're federal guards. You know, mm -hmm. man, these people are some of the most horrible people you'll ever meet in your life. They treat us like we're third world citizens. They treat us worse than dogs, you know. And, you know, there's people out there that'll say, oh, they got cable TV and, well, they get cheeseburgers and they got meatloaf. But what they don't know is the stuff's made out of pink slime. The food's so horrible you can't eat it anymore, you know. And who cares about cable TV? What you care about is, you know, your family, the people that you love and that you care about. You know, when you go to bed hungry at night, you care about that. You know, when you're not sure if you're going to ever see your mother again alive or be able to, you know, take her out to dinner ever again. Those are the things that matter at the end of the night, man, when you lay down and it's only you by yourself. So I want to make I want to help them dudes, man, that were in the same position as me and, and some females that I help. I want them to be able to experience what Alice Johnson experienced. I'm sure you've seen her, right? 
Donald Trump released Ron Clemency. She ran across the street, all happy, her family's crying. You know, more people deserve that. And I'm a firm believer that there has to be consequences for your actions, but I also believe that the punishment, that the time should fit the crime, man. That you shouldn't send nonviolent drug offenders off to prison for, you know, 40, 50 years or for life. You just shouldn't do it, man. I got a guy right now, I'm working on his case out of Texas, Joseph Mesa. The guy was, I don't I think he was 22 years old. He did a robbery with a BB gun. They gave him 85 years. No one was hurt. The dude's got over 200 programs in prison, college education. This guy deserves a second chance. He's been in there 25 years. Release him. You know, show some compassion. He deserves to get out of prison more than I did. But yet I'm here and he's still there. But I'm working well, this on this is- case. This is this is my point. What you just said, and 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 you know, when I started this 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 program, and when I started my organization, right? I started in the, in the sense of reform, criminal justice reform. But being where I've been and knowing what I know, I cannot sit in front of these politicians. I cannot sit in front of these legislators, these governors. I can't do it. I cannot sit in front of these people and have them lie to my face and placate me about oh, well, we want to pass this bill and we want to do this. Listen, stop telling me what you want to do. Do it. It's there. You can do it. If you're not doing it, right, then you're part of the problem. And I don't even want to have a discussion with you because like what you say is is, is, is absolutely disgusting, right? And same position, like you said, I got a guy down in Miami, 18 years old, did a robbery. They gave him 60 years, right? Stack charges, all of this. The man's a grandfather. He's never had the chance to be a father yet. You know? Sad, sad, man. Sad reality with our criminal justice system, right? The Department of Justice, for me, is not a Department of Justice when they do things like that. For me, it's a Department of Prosecutions. And like you said, you know, as far as the, you know, legislators and the senators and the congressmen, I'm willing to sit down with them at any moment because I'm a firm believer that you can't fix something you won't face. But I also think that we have to demand change. It can't just be, no hey, question. just you know, lip service. We got to demand it because Tired we live in a service. government that's supposed to be for the people, by the people. Tired and if, lip they're service. Gonna, if they're not going to do it, then we need to start putting our people up there, right? That doesn't mean, you know, some people get might get, you know, some people have gotten mad at me when I say this. But you know, sometimes they're, you know, people have to go to jail. I, I deserve to go to prison, one hundred percent. I was 24 years old, but I didn't deserve a 40-year sentence, especially, and some of your viewers might not know this, when the government offered a plea that could have been as little as 10 years. So if 10 years was sufficient for my crime because I exercised a constitutional right to trial, how is 40 okay? Our forefathers said I had that right. So you think I could have been rehabilitated and been back in the community in 10 years, right, on a plea agreement as low as 10, 11 to 14, but no lower than 10 because that was my mandatory minimum. But because I went to trial, 40 years is sufficient, but not greater than necessary to achieve the goals of sentencing under 3553A. It's an oxymoron. It's absolutely ridiculous. You know, you, you see, can't have your cake and eat it too. And they justify that with the fact that because, right, you didn't take the plea, you didn't take ownership, and because you didn't show acceptance of responsibility by cooperating and telling your part in, in what you've done. Therefore, you need a longer sentence and more time to think about it. It's going to take more time to rehabilitate that mind. That is for a person that just comes in and just is completely acceptable 
for the responsibility. This is how they justify that. It's absolutely ridiculous. It is. It's, 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 it's absurd. And it's, it's draconian. And, and what this is doing, right, is it's, it's, it's eating our nation. I believe that everything that you see today going on in the streets is a result yeah. of what's going on within our prison system. We're churning out monsters. We're churning out PTSD. We're churning out killers. We're, we're, we're sending people and putting them in a position that is altering their life. People are going to prison that may have not been a killer, and they're coming home killers because of the environment that they're in, right? Well, you've got some guys that go to prison, and they're not killers, and they kill people in prison because of the environment that they put them in. This I'm sure you've probably yeah. seen, you've probably seen the video with, uh, and it was on. I knew that it was, it was a strong hit because of the color of the blood and it's dark and that that's a sign that where you got an artery or a vein or something like that. You need a squat down here, full gear. Steven. Hey, officer, go ahead and come back again. Here. Yeah. Yeah. I want him to. Yeah. 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 Full gear in theater three now. Rack in, everybody! Rack in, everybody! Rack in, rack in, rack in. Why did you stab him so many times? All I can explain really is that he kept moving. I just stabbed the shit out of him, you know, until he didn't move anymore. And I ended up stabbing the man to death. The shank went into 10. Three podcast.